outline tonight for the message. Anybody need one? Everyone good? All right. We are really tonight, if we were to go through major, the major main doctrines, I think tonight we're pretty well finishing up there. But we're going to start next week looking at different terms and definitions of things. So like next week, um, Lord willing, if we're here, we are going to uh, be looking at the law and grace and defining the two of those. We'll look at words like sanctification, justification, big words like that, and actually know what they mean by the time we're done, I'm hoping. And so we'll be next week on the law and grace. And thank God we're under grace today. But we'll be looking at those things starting next week. We look at the Word of God, and the Bible is very clear concerning eternity. People have a lot of opinions, a lot of thoughts, a lot of ideas. And I honestly don't know where people get a lot of their ideas from that they have. It's amazing to me we call ourselves Bible-believing Christians, yet we make up a lot of things that's not found in the Bible. So are we really Bible-believing Christians, tradition-based Christians? There's a lot that can be said about those things. But when it comes to the, the eternal state, the Bible's very clear. The first thing is this, that eternal existence is a certainty. Number one, number one, eternal existence is a certainty. Man became a living soul. A soul lives on forever. It does not die. So, well, it dies, but, well, you know what I'm saying when I say that. After this life, the soul continues on. That is what the Bible teaches. The Bible, it's clear that this is how it works. And there are a lot of people that have lots of ideas. I mentioned two weeks ago the annihilation doctrine. That over time in hell or in the lake of fire, those that go there annihilate over time. That's not a Bible truth. What you hear and why people have the idea of annihilation is they just can't understand why a loving God would send anyone to a lake of fire to burn forever. But what you got to understand is God isn't willing that any go there. That's why he sent Jesus Christ to die. So... He already took care of things, but if people don't trust him, it's what happens. And we could see in Revelation chapter number 20 that when Satan, when the devil was thrown into the lake of fire, the Bible says the false prophet and the beast were there already. If you remember, after the battle of Armageddon, the beast and the false prophet were thrown straight into the lake of fire. Because there's a difference between hell and the lake of fire. If you didn't know that, We'll know that in a few minutes tonight as we get into our notes. And so, as we look here tonight, we see, first of all, that eternal existence is a certainty. Number two, there is no immediate, intermediate state between this life and eternity. There's no in-between. There's no such thing as purgatory, no soul sleep, and no reincarnation. I had someone a few days ago, they were asking me, they said that um, they watched this documentary on Netflix, I think it was. And they said the documentary on there, this boy could remember being here in a former life and gave great details about all this stuff. He wants me to watch it. I don't have Netflix, so I don't know how I'm going to see it. And uh, I told him the Bible does not say that, that those things happen. 
there's a few instances where someone went to heaven and came back. Paul's a prime example of that. There are a lot of people that claim they've been to heaven and come back, and then they write books and make a lot of money, and then they say it never really happened. And this is the th a thought there, just so you know. Paul didn't want to talk about what he saw there. He didn't even refer to himself. So the example we have in Scripture is that. So when someone says, I went to heaven, and uh, it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. The other fact is, though, we see that Paul came back from heaven. We never see anyone going to hell and coming back. I had someone tell me a few weeks ago when I was witnessing to them, they're like, I went to hell and I came back. And, you know, what do you tell someone that tells you something like that? I told them they were wrong, that that's not possible. There's no scriptural backing for that. And when we think about this, about there's no, and, you know, there are those that believe in purgatory, and you can pray someone to heaven. The Bible makes it clear that on earth, Jesus can forgive our sins. Once we've died, that's it. And I'll give you a good example. If you take your Bibles with me to Luke chapter number 16, you'll see throughout tonight, and if you'll notice through all of our Bible doctrines, topics that we've gone through, you have a ton of pages of notes because of all the Bible I give you to look at. And if, you, if someone teaches you Bible doctrine and there's no Bible verses with it, it's not really Bible doctrine. It's man's doctrine. And so Luke chapter number 16, and look with me in verse number um, 19. The Bible says, There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus. Now, when Jesus would give parables, what's the difference between a parable and a, and a true story? A parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. That's what a parable is. When Jesus gives a name of someone, this literally happened. So there was this rich man, and there was this beggar named Lazarus. And the Bible says in verse 21, "...and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table, moreover the dogs came and licked his sores." And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. So do you see there's no intermediate thing. He went straight to Abraham's bosom. And the rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lifted up his eyes, being in torment, and seeth Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. Now what this tells us here is, and what we got to understand, and we'll talk about this maybe a little bit more later, before Christ died on the cross, those that were in Christ, the Old Testament saints, were taken to Abraham's bosom. And those that are not saved, those that die without Christ, were put in hell. When Christ died on the cross and rose again, he got them from Abraham's bosom and took them to be with him. But those that are in hell are still in hell to this day. And anyone who dies without Christ, they're in hell at this moment. There's going to be a day, we talked about the great white throne judgment, where death and hell are cast before God, where the body and soul meet each other before God, and then they're judged and cast into the lake of fire forever. We'll talk more about that in a little bit. But I want you to understand something as we talk about this. There's no intermediate state. Purgatory is not found in the Bible. 
The one time you could find anything about purgatory, it was found in those, uh, those books, the Apocrypha. Found, and the Apocrypha are not biblical. They're not inspired by God. There are some writings that go in be the, the intertestament period between Malachi and Matthew. Some might be historically correct to some degree. It's just like today. We have history books. You might look at a history book, and you read any history book. It's going to be slanted towards a certain way. It might be mostly true. There might be some falsehoods in it, but we don't, I can't tell you for sure. Josephus in Jesus' day was a historian. He's got many writings. Now, his writings are not inspired, meaning they're all truth, but they are good historical backing for some of the things that happened in those days. But what we see is the Bible is all truth. And so the Apocrypha mentions purgatory, and that's one of the reasons why the Catholics like it so much, is because of that. And uh, there's also some other things found there, but I won't go into all of that tonight because this isn't a lesson on the Apocrypha for you. And so we see there's no intermediate state between life and eternity. And then and we see here that Lazarus, when he died, he was taken to Abraham's bosom. And we see the fact that the rich man lifted up his eyes in hell. And then number three, the eternal destiny of man is determined this side of the grave. There is no, you got to understand something, every individual determines his or her acceptance or rejection of Jesus Christ where they'll spend eternity. There's no paying for a soul to get out of hell. You wonder why the Vatican's so nice? Paying for that, and then the indulgences where you could pay for your sins to have them forgiven. It'd be nice if the church could make money off of your sin, because we would have all the money in the world just like they do there. That's why the Vatican's so nice. But there's nothing scriptural about any of that. And so the eternal destiny of man is determined this side of the grave. And according to the word of God, I want you to understand something. The Bible makes it clear that this present heaven and earth is going to pass away. And there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. But there's also going to be a lake of fire. And so tonight, let's dive into our notes about the eternal state. And see Roman numeral number one, the doctrine of hell and the lake of fire. Most people like to talk about heaven. And most people don't argue that they believe that there's a heaven. But when it comes down to the subject of hell, there are many people that don't like talking about hell. Yet, did you know that just as much as heaven is a real place, hell is also a real place? And in fact, Jesus spent a lot of time talking about hell. And warning about hell, there's so much to it and so much I could give you. But as we talk about this tonight, we, as we look at the doctrine of hell and of the lake of fire, first of all, letter A, I want you to see the fact of hell. The fact of hell. And the fact is that hell is a real place. And so when we look at it, the Bible makes it clear. And we could look at, I could give you, so many verses tonight on the fact of hell. I could give you, I'm just going to list off some of them. You can write these down and look at them later. Deuteronomy 32, 22. 2 Samuel 22, 6. Job 22. Psalm 9, 7. Psalm 116, 3. Psalm 139, verse 7 through 12. 
Matthew 3, 12, Matthew 5, 22, 29, and 30. And we could go on a long time going through all the verses that state the fact that there is a place called hell. And when we think about that, the Bible's clear on that. The verses we looked at, that the rich man opened up his eyes in hell, the fact is there is a hell no matter what you want to think or what you say. Many people will say, well, God's just, he's too nice. God is a God, God is a nice God, and he's a loving God. But he's also a just God. He is a holy God. And the fact is that there is a place called hell. Letter B, we see the nature of hell. When we talk about the nature of hell, there's several things I want you to know tonight. Number one, that hell is a place. It's a literal place. The Bible tells us in Matthew 13, verse 49 and 50, So shall it be at the end of the world, the angel shall come forth and sever the wicked from among the just, and shall cast them into the furnace of fire. There shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Isaiah 14, 9, hell from beneath is moved for thee to meet thee at thy coming. It stirreth up the dead for thee, even all the chief ones of the earth. It hath raised up their thrones, all the kings of the nations. Talking about Lucifer in verse 15, yet thou shalt be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit. The Bible tells us where hell is located. Ezekiel 31, verse 14. To the end that none of all the trees by the waters exalt themselves for their height, neither shoot up their top among the thick boughs, neither their trees stand up in their heights, all the drink water, for they are all delivered unto death to the nether parts of the earth, in the midst of the children of men, with them that go down to the pit. What it says is, it's in, what does the Bible say there? It says that it's down, and nether means the lower parts of the earth. So if we take this at face value, probably hell is located near the center of the earth. And if you were to look at Abraham's bosom, it was down there. There was, you could see, it's interesting. The rich man could see into Abraham's bosom, but there's no, nothing that tells us that Lazarus could see down into hell. Abraham talked, but we look at hell's a real place. And the Bible gives us some hints to where it is. But letter number two, we see that hell is a prepared place. God deliberately prepared hell for Satan and for fallen angels. That's what hell was prepared for. And we've looked at in the past the fact that there are some demons, some fallen angels that were so bad before the flood and in that time that God chained them. They're chained in the pits of hell now, and they will not be released till the tribulation time when they're led out of the bottomless pit to torture mankind. But hell, it's a prepared place. The Bible tells us in Matthew 25, verse 41 through 46, then shall he say also unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed and everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was in hungered, and he gave me no meat. I was thirsty, and he gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and he took me not in naked, um, and he clothed me not sick and in prison, and he visited me not. Then shall they also answer him, saying, Lord, 
When we saw thee a hungered and a thirst, or strange, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not minister unto thee, then shall he say, then shall he answer them, saying, Verily I say unto you, insomuch as ye did it not to one of the least of these, ye did it not to me. And these shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into life eternal. We see the hell's a prepared place. Who was it prepared for? It was prepared for the devil and his angels. But the Bible also makes it clear that anyone who is not righteous will end up in that place. Now, think with me for a minute. Are any of us righteous? No. But when we trust Jesus Christ as our Savior, the righteousness of Christ is put on us, and because of his righteousness, we're accepted into eternal life. And that's what we need to remember. Hell is a place, it's also a prepared place. Number three, it's a painful place. You know, we talk about the fact that heaven, there'll be no, we sang about it a few minutes ago, there'll be no sorrow there, no more burdens to bear, no more sickness, no pain. No more parting over there and forever I'll be with the one who died for me. But hell's the opposite of that. If we go back, you have your Bible still open there in Luke chapter number 16. Um, look at what it says in verse 23. And in hell he lifted up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. You see, it was too late. It's too late. And send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and may cool my tongue. Isn't it interesting that the rich man still thinks he's got some pull? And that the beggar should have to do what he wants him to do? Isn't that kind of interesting to see? Heaven and hell are no respecter of persons. It's who you know that gets you where you need to be. But if we keep on reading there, we see the fact that it says that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue for I am tormented in this flame. You see, hell is a painful place. We see, first of all, it's conscious pain. In hell, you got to understand, this man could see, hear, or physical pain, sorry. He could feel, he could see, hear, feel, and thirst. All of his senses were still there. He had physical pain. You know, in heaven, you get a glorified body. In hell, you don't get a glorified body. You're stuck with what you got. Letter B. We see mental pain. This man, we see that he was tormented. Man, there's other passages of Scripture that we could look at. And remember that, um, well, look at verse 25 of our text here. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things, but now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. Remember the man, um, the parable that Jesus gave. Remember earthly story with a heavenly meaning? That's what parables are. Remember the parable that Jesus gave, where he said this man owed a ton of money. And he gets brought before the judge, and he begs for mercy, and he is forgiven all that he owed. And as the man is leaving, he's out, he's leaving, and he sees a guy who owes him, you know, this like thousands upon thousands of dollars that this man owed that he was just forgiven. And he sees this man that owes him $20. 
And this man who owes him $20, he's like, throw him in prison, and he wants everything taken from him because he didn't get it. And the Bible says that that judge eventually says, give him to the tormentors. You know one of the mental pains I believe that there's going to be in hell? It's going to be the times that those people heard the gospel and didn't turn to Jesus. You know, I believe hell is different for different people. The Bible makes it clear they're judged by their works, and I believe someone, and I would, I would hate to go to a Bible, I would hate to go to hell, period, but I would really hate it to go to a Bible-preaching church and know the truth about heaven and hell and know the truth about Jesus and still not trust Jesus. Because there are going to be a lot of words that come back to torment you. There's physical pain. There's mental pain. Let her see. There's spiritual pain. Interesting that this man, what did he want? Look at what the Bible tells us. We keep looking at our text here. It says, verse 27, Then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou wouldst send him to my father's house. For I, Do you see he was concerned about other souls? He didn't want his siblings to end up in hell. Isn't it amazing that a godless man in hell is more concerned about souls than a Christian who's got the gospel? Powerful thought right there. But this man was concerned. And what did Abraham say? They've got the prophets. They've got the word of God. They've got people to tell them. And so we see that hell is a painful place. There's physical pain. There's mental pain. There's spiritual pain. And get this, there's eternal pain. Eternal pain. Hell is not a reform school. There's no second chance when eternity begins. The great gulf is fixed. Hell is eternal. Matthew 25, 46, And these shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into life eternal. It's eternal pain. You know, we think about it, and we mentioned in our uh, prayer service earlier, you know, Russ, has been, Russ got injured October of 85. So I literally was four months old. This month is 37 years he's lived in constant pain with his back. That's a long time. But that's nothing compared to eternity. And thank God for the hope of heaven. Thank God for heaven where there will be no more pain for Brother Russ. But think about someone who goes to hell. That pain doesn't go away. Like you sit here tonight, and if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, and you know you've got that back pain, you've got that knee pain, you've got all that of getting older, it doesn't go away in hell. It doesn't go away. It's eternal punishment. As we look at tonight and we look at these things, letter C, big letter C, I want to just give you the difference between hell and the lake of fire. And then we're going to talk about heaven tonight. You know, a great way to look at it, you think about our um, judicial system and the way it works today. So let's say someone, you know, nowadays you, people get bailed out for everything. But let's just say that they do something bad enough to where they don't get bailed, or they're just in a different state than California or New York anyways. Those two are pretty similar on those things there. But um, they are in jail. They stay in jail until they have their trial. And then at their trial, they're sentenced to 
prison. Jail and hell are similar. The great white throne judgment is the trial that takes place. And the eternal lake of fire is prison. That's the way to look at that when we think on that. The Bible tells us in Revelation 20, verse 13 and 14, And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged every man according to their works, and death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. Um, we could, there's so much more that we could go into with these things, but what we understand is that hell is the place right now where someone who's unsaved goes. Their soul goes there. Their body's in the grave. Like, let's think about a believer. A believer who knows Jesus Christ and has trusted Jesus Christ as their Savior, their body is in the grave. Their soul is with Jesus. Because the Bible says, Paul said, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So their soul, they're with God. But they don't get their glorified body till the rapture takes place. Because the dead in Christ arise first. And their soul will meet their glorified body. Then we which are alive and remain will be caught up together with the Lord, and so will ever be with the Lord. So the way it works for a believer is the grave and the body will meet in the air. Those that don't know Christ will be, their soul will be in hell, and their body will be in the grave. And at the great white throne judgment, they will be brought up from hell, and they'll get their body back, and they'll be judged before God and cast into a lake of fire. That's what the Bible teaches. What you got to understand is hell is now. Those that aren't saved, that's where they are. Someday hell will be no more because death and hell will be cast into the lake of fire. And the lake of fire is the eternal place that for those that don't know Christ and the devil and his angels. And so we talk about those things. And in all reality, the more we talk about hell, the more it should encourage you to tell someone about Jesus. You have the answer to save someone's life from going to hell. You have the key, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And when's the last time you shared that gospel with anybody? I would, I would hate for the rich man in hell to be more concerned about souls than a saved child of God who's been given the gospel that would be a terrible thing. You know, if we could take two seconds and get a glimpse of what hell would be like, you would tell everybody. But I don't know if we really believe that there's a place called hell. I think in this room we would all say we believe there's a place called hell. Do your actions match that? If on your way home tonight there's a house on fire and there, all the cars are in the driveway and you see people in the house you would try and help them get out. I would hope you would. No, just let them burn. I hope you wouldn't do that. You see someone, you would care for them. Technically, if their pets were in there, a lot of you would still do that too. And yet, there's a place called hell, and you have the answer. You have the antidote. You have the vaccine that's 100% effective every time. You'll never need a booster. You'll never need anything else. One and done. The gospel of Jesus Christ. And yet, you keep it to yourself and don't share it. Shame on us.
See the doctrine of hell and the lake of fire, number two tonight. And lastly, I say lastly, don't get your hopes too high because there's like A through Z underneath point number two. But there's only two main points tonight. We look at the doctrine of heaven. What a place, heaven. This isn't all the Bible when it comes to heaven. It has to be 1 Corinthians 2 and verse number 9. The Bible says, but as it is written, I hath not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. Let's look at that verse one more time, everybody. I hath not seen. There are some beautiful things that I've seen in this world that I've lived in. How many of you, give me something that you've seen with your eyes that's just beautiful. The Grand Canyon. Yosemite is one of my favorite places. The Grand Canyon, every time I go there, though, I literally feel like I'm just looking at a picture. It can't, it can't be real. And I'm like standing on the edge. It's real, but it can't be real. It's just, wow. And you look at that, and it's just amazing. Yosemite. I love Yosemite. A sunset. You think about the most beautiful things you've ever seen. It doesn't even compare to what heaven is like. The best words you've ever heard on this earth don't compare to what heaven is like. Nothing you that's ever entered into your heart and made you feel so good and so wonderful what heaven's what doesn't even compare to heaven. And you know, when you stop and think about that, neither have entered into the heart of man. There are a lot of things. Think about this. What entered into our hearts? Jesus. That means heaven's going to be even better than what our salvation was. If you take that at face value right there. Heaven's a wonderful place. Heaven is a place that we're going to talk about for a few minutes here tonight. In all reality, when we talk about heaven, Revelation 21 and Revelation 22 give us most of the details about heaven. There are lots of other things we know about it, and we're just going to run through these. We talk about the doctrine of heaven, letter A, heaven is a literal place. Heaven is a literal place. You say, well, how do you know it's a literal? It's just a, you know, there are people that say, heaven is right now. If this is heaven, we're in big trouble if this is heaven. This is not heaven, okay? Turn on the news. This is far from heaven. Look at gas prices. There's nothing about gas prices that resemble heaven. The roads in California do not resemble streets of gold. Streets of potholes, that's about it. The Bible tells us in John 14, verse 2 and 3, In my Father's house are many mansions, and if it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. Heaven is a literal place. We also see, letter B, that heaven is a prepared place. The Lord's taken the time to go prepare heaven for us. And you think about how a... Um, how a groom would go and he would 
back in Bible days, he would go and get everything ready and prepare a home for his bride. And then he would go snatch his bride and take her to what he had ready for her. And it's been a long time that Jesus has been up in heaven. He's been preparing. He's been preparing our mansion. And someday he's going to come like a thief in the night, come like that groom would come to catch his bride. He's going to take his bride to the place he's prepared for them, for us. What a wonderful place. It's a literal place. It's a prepared place. Heaven's a happy place. Heaven's a happy place. The Bible tells us in Revelation 21, verse number 4, and God shall wipe. Now, let me make sure you understand something. If you take, and the book of Revelation, you cannot take every event and go in order with it. It doesn't work that way. Because the book of Revelation jumps all over the place when it goes through Bible prophecy. But you look towards the end, you see the battle of Armageddon. There's the millennial reign of Christ, a literal reign here on earth. We see that Satan is loose one last time from that bottomless pit. And then we see that the great white throne judgment takes place, and then eternity is set. The new heaven and the new earth come. And this is when God wipes away all, all tears. I sincerely believe there will be tears at the judgment seat of Christ. I also believe there will be tears by us at the great white throne judgment. Because he wipes the tears away after that. Look what it says, that God shall wipe all tears from their eyes. This is the new heaven. And there shall be no more death. You're never going to lose a parent again. You're never going to lose a child again. No more death. You're never going to cry again. You're never going to feel any more pain. All the former things are passed away. Heaven is a happy place. We see letter D that heaven is a holy place. Think about that, Revelation 21, verse number 8. But the fearful and the unbelieving and the abominable and the murderers and the whoremongers and the sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. And I love going back to the book of 1 Corinthians, or 2 Corinthians, one of those two, chapter 6, where it says, Hey, such were some of you, but you're washed, you're clean. Jesus Christ changed that. But heaven's going to be a holy place. There will be no more sin there. The Bible tells us, Revelation 21, verse 27, And there shall in no wise enter into it anything that defileth, neither whatsoever worketh abomination or maketh a lie, but they that are written in the Lamb's book of life. The Bible tells us in Revelation 22, 11, He that is unjust, let him be unjust still. And he which is filthy, let him be filthy still. And he that is righteous, let him be righteous still, and he that is holy, let him be holy still. Heaven is a holy place. We see letter E that heaven is a glorious place. A glorious place. Man, if we if we had the time, I encourage you. And it's and did I put in your notes? So Revelation 21, verse 10 through 21. Read those verses. And just see how glorious heaven is going to be. How about letter F? Heaven is an adequate place. How in the world are you going to fit everybody in heaven that's a Christian? Do you know they tell us, I don't know how true it is, but they tell us you could take everyone in this world today and stick them in the state of Florida. Florida. 
and you could stretch out your arms like this and all the way around you there's enough room in the state of Florida for every person in this world to be right now with that much room around them heaven the Bible describes heaven in, in there in Revelation 21 let's read the verses there verse 15 through 17 and he that talked with me had a golden reed to measure the city and the gate thereof and the wall thereof and the city lieth four square and the length is as large as the breadth and he measured the city with a reed 12,000 furlongs and the length and the breadth and the height of it are equal and he measured the wall thereof and 140 and four cubits according to the measure of a man that is of the angel now I know all of you are very good on your biblical measurements right you have all your furlongs figured out and you know all that and off the top of your head you already know that 12,000 furlongs is about 1500 miles that's what it is so I did the measurement for you so if we were to take the Bible says that it's four square so I was going to bring, I have in my office, I took an old uh, map of the United States and I marked the size of heaven. If you were to go from Florida, the, the Florida where the rest of the states line up with it, and go almost to New Mexico, Florida to New Mexico. From New Mexico, the border of, from, Me from Mexican border, and this is probably, maybe El Paso would be a better measurement there, up to the Canadian border just about. From the Canadian border, and that goes up to, uh, is that Montana or North Dakota, somewhere in there. And then go to Maine and go down. It's a 1,500-mile square. The Bible is 1,500 miles square, and it's the same height. So if the entire world population could fit in the state of Florida, this far apart, and you've got 1,500 miles square and high, heaven's big enough. It's adequate. You'll be just fine. You can have a couple acres probably to yourself and be all right. 1,500 miles. There's room for everyone who's received Jesus Christ. Next, letter G. Heaven is a precious place. Man, we look at all the stones and you know, you go to a you go to a jewelry store today and things, and you look at diamonds, you look at different things, and you see the sparkle that, that comes off of them. Think of all the precious stones that are mentioned here and used. Can you imagine how big these pearls are that are used for the gate? Those are some big pearls. Yeah. Um, we also see next letter H that it's an inhabited place. chapter 21 and verse 24 says and the nations of them which are saved shall walk in the light of it and the kings of the earth do bring their glory and honor into it and do you know there will be no sun there you won't need a sun there because Jesus Christ himself lights up the city it's going to be a wonderful place and then lastly letter I is an eternal place the Bible says in Revelation 22, verse 1 through 3, And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the midst of the streets of it, and on either side of the river, was there... Look at what tree comes back. Remember the tree that was there in the garden at the very beginning? 
Yeah, that tree that God ended up putting, blocking off so man couldn't get to, the tree of life is there. And when we think about it, in all reality, God had a plan from the very beginning. A perfect place, him and his people. And man had to ruin it. And God spent the entire 66 books of the Bible fixing man's mistakes to get it back to where it was before all the mistakes. A perfect place with the tree of life, communion with God, and with God forever. What a place. We could talk a long time tonight about heaven, but the reality is, as wonderful as heaven is, hell is the exact opposite. And there are people that need to know about Jesus. And I would encourage you to take gospel tracts. I would encourage you to go tell someone about Jesus. Let them know about heaven and how wonderful heaven is. Father, I thank you for your word, and I thank